It is 746, 56 degrees here in the Twin Cities. A cool late June morning. Denny Long is away on a good neighbor tour. He'll be back in a couple of weeks. Right now, it's my pleasure to introduce Jack Farrell from Haskell's in our weekly wine chat. Jack, always Thanks, a pleasure. Steve. I always learn so much. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I've been spewing this kind of stuff for 47 years. I. I, I hope somebody learned something from oh, it. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of today, where it's a rather chilly summer day, I don't know, someone asked me the other day about Oregon wines. Well, you can't even think about Oregon wines without thinking about the Willamette Valley. The Willamette Valley is about 150 miles long. It contains, believe it or not, 70% of the population of Oregon. It has three major cities in it, which are uh, Portland, uh, Salem, and I think Eugene. Yeah, Eugene. Anyhow, those three major cities, and it was sort of the end of the Oregon Trail. And apparently it was built as the land of milk and honey, and it really is. It's a very, very fertile valley. And, in fact, when the valley was settled by the people at the end of the Oregon Trail... They really went on what would be the 19th century fast track because they became a state from a territory in less than 16 years, which was moving like lightning in those days. And, of course, it it really deserves the title Land of Milk and Honey. I remember, you know, the wine business out in Oregon is very new. The first vineyards were planted only 50 years ago, and they were Erie vineyards, which are, they still make wine uh, at Erie vineyards, and it's not bad. But uh, So it's relatively new. And uh, the place itself, that Willamette Valley, is uh, in no small way responsible for the popularity of Pinot Noir in Oregon. And the reason is simply it, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. It has very, very dry summers and a very, very wet winters. From November uh, till March, it rains. And the rest of the year, the rain is very sporadic. And uh, you could liken it almost to Tuscany. It never gets real, real cold in that Willamette Valley. And in the summer, it can get real, real hot. In fact, I was there one summer day in July, and the temperature was about 100. And we drove to the coast, which was about 65 miles from where we were. And I couldn't believe it. On the coast, it was 63 degrees. And inland there, it was 100. That's, you know, an enormous uh, range, almost 40 degrees on the same day in in a very close geographic area. But that's what makes it such a great area for producing wine, especially Pinot Noir. Pinot Noirs like cool nights and hot days. And boy, they have that in that Willamette Valley. The geography of the valley, the ancient history was, it was the overflow of the uh, Missoula, Lake Missoula, which was a huge uh, body of water, and it buried that whole valley for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. We're talking thousands of years ago, 15,000 years ago. But it left all that rich, rich soil. And and this nice climate, which is just perfect uh, for grapevines, 
and other agriculture too. You know, when I first went out, there was in the early seventies. I think there were three wineries. Today in the Willamette Valley, there's over 500. So it's a little bit like going back in history on the Napa Valley 50, 60 years ago when there were only uh, 60, 70 wineries. Today there's, I think, over 1,000 wineries in the Napa Valley. But there's 500 in the Willamette Valley, but it's a much more laid-back pace. When I first went there years ago, all, the main highway was lined with fruit stands because it was a big fruit area. Fruit and vegetable, you know, it was just terrific. And it, like I say, it wasn't until 50 years ago the first vineyard was planted, and it wasn't really until about 35 years ago that it became a real interesting place uh, for wine people to go to. And I must say, the Willamette Valley was very clever. Uh, there's a town in the middle of it in wine country called McMinnville, and that's really the wine capital of the whole Willamette Valley. And McMinnville, about 30 years ago, started a Pinot Noir festival, and I, it was a remarkable thing. They invited everybody from all over the world who made Pinot Noir to this school, McMinnville College, to discuss this. And I was fortunate enough to be one of the first panelists at the first Pinot Noir Festival. And it was remarkable. People were making Pinot Noir in New Zealand and Australia. And Pinot Noir wasn't that popular at that time. And, of course, Burgundy, France, which is, you know, all the red wines from Burgundy are Pinot Noir. And Pinot Noir is really, uh, the world headquarters is in Burgundy. But certainly the U.S. headquarters is in McMinnville. And we went to McMinnville, and it, it, there weren't even enough hotel rooms. Most of the people had to come and stay at McMinnville College in dorms. And as I said, it was very, very hot. And you had a little bitty 8-inch fan to cool you off in 100-degree weather. It, it just didn't work very well. As a matter of fact, after I, that one experience, I always stayed in a modest uh, motel, which... Uh, but it was air-conditioned, and uh, that meant all the difference in the world. Uh, but that was a wonderful experience to get these people from all over the world to share their insights in Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir is a very, very difficult grape to grow, and it's uh, it's delicate. While it produces incredible wine, it's a delicate grape. You know, Cabernet is a very thick-skinned Robust grape Zinfandel is practically almost, they used to call it the American weed. Like a weed, it's virtually indestructible. But Pinot Noir is much more delicate. So those early Pinot Noir conferences at McMinnville College were really eye-opening to anybody who cared about Pinot Noir. They were really discussing uh, producing Pinot Noir from all over the world, all different terroirs, etc., and who would ever dream at that time that this place would become at certainly the North American headquarters for Pinot Noir? One of the most interesting things there, I'll never forget it, was uh, the first festival they decided they would have salmon the way the Native Americans prepared it there years ago. So they put these huge logs in trenches they had dug, and they set the logs on fire, and the logs burned 24 hours, and when they got down to all the embers, I mean, they were burning logs that were 20, 22 inches thick. And so that when the embers came out, they took out these cedar saplings and wove a side of salmon through the saplings and stuck them in the ground over that fire. Well, the coals of the fire and the smoke combined and cooked 
the salmon. And today, you know, a lot of people are aware of plank salmon. You buy a cedar plank at your favorite store, and you soak it, and then you cook the salmon on it in the grill. And I do that a lot because I love cedar salmon. But the very first time I ever had it was in this Native American uh, fashion where it was on a cedar sapling set over the wooden coals that had been burning 24 hours, and I never tasted anything so good as that salmon till I tasted the Oregon Pinot Noir with the salmon. What a revelation. To this day, I have never had salmon that I don't have Pinot Noir from somewhere in the world because it's a marriage made in heaven, particularly if you plank it a little bit. So this Willamette Valley has had a very, very noble history of producing all sorts of wonderful agricultural products. They're kind of newcomers to the wine business, as I said, just 50 years ago. And really, only 30 years ago where the vineyards started to pop up. Uh, One of the great revolutions, uh, revelations was when Druen, which is an enormous house in Burgundy, uh, went and the first place they opened a winery in the United States was up in McMinnville, Oregon. And so that kind of gave it great credibility because at the time, the France and the Burgundy area was really the place to go to talk about uh, Pinot Noir. And <laughs> to see someone with the prestige of Drouin move there, well, it, it took a lot of interest. Today, almost every big conglomerate in California has a vineyard in Oregon, and a lot of them are in the Willamette Valley. That is really, in my opinion, the Napa Valley of Oregon. And the wines that are produced there are just great. A couple from Minneapolis, the Evansteads, opened a property oh, 25 years ago called Domaine Serene, which is a world-class wine. It's won international awards all over the world for the quality of their Pinot Noir Chardonnay. And even a lot of these places are starting to produce rosés uh, from the Willamette Valley. Uh, there's a couple called Second Growth that makes a fabulous Pinot Noir that doesn't break the bank, and another one called Wildstock, which is about $20 a bottle, which is a marvelous reflection of Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. But I'm telling you, if you're interested in going uh, to a wonderful wine area that isn't quite as busy as the Napa Valley or Sonoma, try going up. It's only about an hour out of Portland. And you can wander up and down, uh, from make your headquarters in McMinnville, and wander up and down that valley. And I'm telling you, you're going to taste lots of wonderful wine. They don't just make Pinot Noir, they make a wonderful Pinot Gris. And they're always experimenting with other things. But their real, real specialty is Pinot Noir. And you'll see why Pinot Noir is one of the fastest-growing red wines in the United States after you taste a Pinot Noir from the Willamette Valley. Yeah, and Jack, I'm sure uh, the experts at Haskell's will help someone find an excellent Pinot Noir. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, The folks at Haskell's love to talk about wine. They love to help you pair wine with a dish. And whether you're going to cook plank salmon or you're just going to cook burgers on the grill, stop in and see the folks at Haskell's. They'll help you pick a wine that'll make that meal. And best of all, they're going to help you pick a wine that won't break the bank. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save right now during our big, big summer sale, big dollars on your favorite wines. There's Haskell's, of course, in Bloomington, 
Chanhassen, Haskell's in downtown Excelsior, which is right off the Excelsior dock. Haskell's in Faribault off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be missed. On Saturday, there's free parking at Haskell's in Minneapolis. There's Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Highland Village, Stillwater, White Bear, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com or go to WCCO.com slash wine. It'll take you right to the Haskell's website where you can peruse our summer sale catalog. Well, Jack, always a pleasure. Thanks. Steve, it's my pleasure. I understand we'll, we will talk again next week. Yes, and then Denny returns in two weeks. He's on a good neighbor tour. Yeah, to, to Utah. Yeah. At any rate, I'm going to look forward to that, Steve. All right, very good. There is Jack Farrell in our wine chat. Each and every Saturday morning, of course, uh, Jack and the wonderful folks from Haskell's.